0: with would you stand with me um, even before we b- we begin I, I just wanted to uh, acknowledge that as I shared with you we were off for uh, uh, not in the book of Psalms for a five-week period and and I, I, j- I just want to thank uh, Dirk and Willie for their work in filling in on those Wednesday nights you know just to be here to to teach God's word thank you guys did a great job, uh, and uh, I was watching, Didn't I didn't catch a couple of them, but most of them I did, and thank you guys for the uh, filling in for me, allowing me to uh, take some time off, which was much needed. I'll be sharing a little bit about that in just a moment. But let's go ahead and begin to read Psalm 98, I'm going to go ahead and read the uh, the nine verses of this Psalm, and then we're going to go ahead and go through it, and then of course the 99th. As well. Psalm ninety-eight, the inscription simply says a psalm. Interestingly, it's the only psalm that has that short of an inscription, if there is an inscription. Just those two words a psalm. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. The Lord has made known his salvation, his righteousness he has revealed in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his mercy and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth in song, rejoice and sing praises. Sing to the Lord with the harp. With a harp and the sound of a psalm, with trumpets and the sound of a horn, shout joyfully before the Lord, the King. Let the sea roar in all its fullness, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills be joyful together before the Lord, for He is coming to judge the earth. With righteousness He shall judge the world and the peoples with equity. And Father, as we get into your word tonight, Lord, might you just pour your spirit upon each one of us. Might he give to us understanding. Might he give give to us wisdom and discerning hearts to know how to apply these truths that you place into our hearts tonight in our lives. So God, thank you. We love you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys may be seated. Excuse me. This ninety-eighth psalm is a psalm in which uh, that, that deals with a, a a new song being sung unto the Lord. It's a song of praise to the Lord for His salvation and for the reality of the fact that He judges with righteousness. And so, we're going to take a look at this psalm. Being a psalm, and with the inscription, we have. No clue who who may have written this, uh, but with all these psalms together, um, often referred to as the royal psalms, uh, it would seem that it was uh, David who wrote this psalm as as well as the next one, the ninety ninth. But uh, we're we're going to um, view this as if David did indeed write this. I think that that's probably. The best way to go with this, but he says there in this very first first verse, "Oh, sing to the Lord a new song." Now, this is nothing new in terms of the Psalms; uh, it's a continual theme uh, throughout the Psalms. We just saw this same thing a couple of Psalms ago, back in verse uh, excuse me in Psalm 96, uh, the ver- first verse, "Oh, sing to the Lord a new song," uh, exactly the same. Verbiage, that's one of the reasons that we do believe that it's the same author uh, who wrote these particular songs of, uh, psalms, of course. But this idea of a new song, 4 and 149, the idea of a new song, and we find that in other places in the scripture as well. As you guys know, uh, I, I spent some time in Spain, um, got back uh, about a week and a half ago, nine days in Spain, one of the reasons, last week, I, I returned, and I uh, had a blessed time in Spain. One of the reasons I wanted to go there was not only to uh, visit you know, the church there in Spain and uh, visit uh, um, Pastor Yvonne and you Nise know, and the family and others in the church, of course, um, but to uh, get some time to myself. Uh, to be able to, uh, uh, my beloved bride uh, passed away just a couple months ago. He led me to Isaiah chapter 43. And it's a beautiful chapter, a beautiful, beautiful chapter. I would encourage you to read that, that particular chapter, the entire chapter. But I want to read to you verses 18 and 19. And I'm reading it to you now because it does uh, relate to this idea of a new song, singing a new song unto the Lord. Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And, and, you know, as I'm in this place right now, um, my bride with the Lord at this point, you know, what she con- she had uh, contributed so much to this church. You know, so much ministry took place through her, with you ladies in particular, of course. You know, and uh, some of you have... Um because you've been here just recently, never really got to know her, uh, got to sit under her ministry, or or to be loved on by her. Uh, even even some of the men, you know, shared with me. You know, the one thing I knew about your wife is that 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 she loved me. She cared for me. I knew that by the way that she uh, um, just spoke to me and so forth. And j- just such a blessing to to, to see that. But I say that all this, just to come to this place of seeing in this particular, uh, um, th- these these verses here in Isaiah 43, God speaks of a new thing that he's going to do. I will do a new thing. And I, I think that's something that I needed to hear from the Lord, you know, um we, we we can't depend on what the Lord had done in the past. My wife being such a huge part of all that remained in this church because of her ministry. That causes me to wonder. Okay, now she's gone. What's going to happen? You know, um, I, I trust I've become your pastor. You know, and, and you'll be sticking around. But all all these things are just a part of what rolls around in my mind. But the Lord has told me that He's going to do something new. We're going to be going in. Uh, Not necessarily a new direction, but he is going to be doing some new things, whatever that may be. I don't know. I don't know the details of all that, but it's going to be something new. And it it was encouraging to receive that from the Lord, you know, that he's going to do a new thing. In fact, this past uh, Sunday, um, one of the ladies in the church approached me and just shared that very thing with me, that that she believed that the Lord was going to be doing something new in the church. And I shared with her, you know what? The Lord gave that to me while I was in Spain, uh, out of of Isaiah chapter 43. So it's just such a cool thing. But, But we see here, as we look at this psalm, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. And so we're not going to sing an old song based on the things that he did in the past. It's a new song that we sing based on the new things that he is doing. He has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. So such a, a, a wonderful concept here. The idea of, of God have gained him the victory. But the victory is, is ours is too uh, as well, isn't it? The victory is ours as well. Uh, if you look at Revelation chapter 21, we see Jesus saying something very similar in verse 5, the first part of verse 5. Uh, Psalm 30, verse 5. For his anger is but for a moment, his favor is for life. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. We're just saying that. We're just saying that. Joy comes in the morning. You know for every difficult circumstance that we find ourselves in, whatever takes place that causes us to weep, it causes tears to well up in our eyes because of the difficulty of it, the pain of it, the sorrow that's involved, you know, some the morning, the promise of joy. And we're going to be looking at that in the following verses, the idea of joy in verses beginning in verse 4. But it's such an important thing for us to just really uh, latch on to and hold for ourselves. You know, um, joy comes in the morning. Also in this first verse, we see that his right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. As I shared, the victory is ours as well. He's our overcomer. He's the one who gains us the victory. In verse 10, we see these words. God speaking to his people through Isaiah the prophet. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. Another beautiful passage. So many beautiful, beautiful passages in the book of Isaiah. huh? But this is one of those. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Not only is his right hand powerful and able to hold us, but it's righteous. He is going to be able to do so, isn't he? You guys believe that? Have you sensed his presence in those times of need where he's actually holding you up with his righteous right hand? You know, and it's such a blessing to be in that position to receive that from him. That right hand of God speaks of his power. And if we believe what the Bible has to say, there's nothing too hard for him, right? Nothing too hard for him. By his holiness, by his righteousness, he upholds us. By his power, he upholds us. He has given us the victory. On the cross, he gives us victory over sin, in his resurrection, he gives us victory over death. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 55 to 57, these words, very familiar words. O oh death, where is your sting? O oh Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ amen, Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is our victor. Cling to Jesus. Look to Jesus. He's the one, he doesn't just simply bring us hope. He is our hope. He doesn't just bring us joy. He is our joy. He is all that we need. And you know, these verses that I'm sharing with you, you know, I, I, I think to most of us, I mean, they, they are very, very familiar. You know, the, these truths are not new, and th- these truths are certainly not new to me. But one thing I do understand is that these truths right now, simply because of what I have experienced the last couple of years with my bride, where I am right now, these truths are more solidified in my heart now than ever before. You know, And, and tha- that's one of the things that happens to us when we go through difficult times, when we go through affliction. The truths of God become just really solidified in our hearts because we've got to rely on him. We've got to depend on him. We've got to trust in him. And you know what? His love never fails like we just saying, As we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, his love never fails. It never comes to an end. He always shows up. He always is faithful. As we look at these words in these first three verses, just a few of the words I want to point out to you. Look at what we see here. We see the words holy, Victory, salvation, righteousness, mercy, faithfulness. We see salvation once again. And as we reflect on those words and what they represent, no wonder that we can sing a new song, right? He places that song in our hearts based on what he does for us. Now, uh, verse 4. We'll read verse. Break forth in song, rejoice, and sing praises. Sing, shout joyfully before the Lord the King. In these verses, we see the people of God addressed. Of course, the psalmist writing this, David, it would, these would be uh, uh, words to Israel. Um, I believe we can take it for ourselves as well because we are his people also. Now, we do have to be careful about transferring things that God says to Israel to us because, you know, those things are things that, um, like the promises he makes to Israel, for example, but not the specific promise. But this is a command, not a promise. It's a command to his people. In fact, a number of commands we, we have here. All of these verbs are in the imperative. That means they are commands to us. We are commanded by God to shout joyfully to him. And he doesn't just simply say Israel or the church. All the earth. All the earth is to shout joyfully to Yahweh. Now, this has not yet happened. It's certainly not happening right now, is it? But it will. When Jesus Reigns during his millennial reign, he is going to have, uh, he's going to be reigning over all the earth, and all of the earth will be shouting, these shouting joyfully to him. We see other commands in uh, in verse one: break forth, break forth in song. Another command: rejoice. Another command: sing praises. Sing again, another command, to the Lord, to young team. That's going to be praising him here. The various instruments that are going to be used. The harp, the sound, uh, uh, and, and the sound of a psalm, the singing, the trumpets, the sound of a horn, and so forth. So we, we, we see all these things accompanying the singing that's going to be taking place to Yahweh. And again, verse 6, Shout joyfully before the Lord, not not to him, but before the Lord, before Yahweh, the King. And so all these things are to be done, all these things we are commanded to do. Now, with these commands, the idea of shouting joyfully, there is the idea, we we, we have seen just just a moment ago how in the first verse that that uh, David writes that his right hand and his holy arm have gained him the victory. Could it be that this was written after a military victory that God had given to Israel? I, I think there's a chance that, that that may be true. I mean, we, we have no idea based on the words that are here. I, I, I think it's very possible, though and shouting joyfully to the Lord for the victory that is given. And yet, it's not Israel that's commanded, it's all the earth that is commanded to shout joyfully. So, you know, the the Lord Jesus is going to win a victory for nations of all the earth. He is in the process of doing that. He's going to be ruling and reigning over all the earth sometime, I believe, in in the very near future. I I don't know if I'm going to see it in my lifetime but it's not going to be a very long time before the rapture comes. I mean, this world is ready. I mean, it's it's more ready than it's ever been. Would you guys agree? And Ready than it's ever been on those who have not agreed. That's the reason the world is going to be judged, not because of their sinfulness, but because of the rejection of the king. That's why. But it seems in Milwaukee... You know, um, among those, who, uh, the the first presidential debate, uh, primary debate, I should say, uh, for the Republicans. But you know, guys. Let's be honest. As important as that is, it's not as important as what we're reading about. It's not as important as the idea that Jesus is going to reign. Not as important as the idea that that He's going to reign with. With with, with with justice and, and with righteousness. Uh, uh, we, we saw back in Psalm 97, uh, uh, verse 2, righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. You know, I mean, that's going to be the case, you know. But my point being that these are things that God is going to be doing in the earth. Now, Psalm 20, but you are holy, of course, speaking to God, enthroned, in the praises of Israel. used to be an old song we used to sing back in uh, uh, back in the 70s and 80s um, and it's based on the King James version of that verse. You know, the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. you guys remember that? So let's just praise him, let's just praise him. So let the Lord inhabits the praises of his people, so let's just pra- praise the Lord. That's what we would sing based on this particular verse. Here we see the the translation in uh, the New King James Version, also in the NASB, the ESV, the idea of enthronement, that God is enthroned upon the praises of Israel. Now think about that for a moment, guys. He himself is enthroned upon those praises that we give him. It's like that's his throne. Our praises. What kind of throne are we giving him? what What does this enthronement look like? are we Are we faithful to praise him? Not just when we're gathered together? obviously not as many here as we have on a Sunday morning, and you know, so the singing can be kind of spotty and sing loudly to him. We can shout joyfully to him. Uh, we, we we can sing along with the instrument that's that's being played, you know the, the 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 lovely words that are being sung by the ladies on the on the stage, you know we we, we can do that. I think sometimes we're just too afraid that somebody else is going to hear us. Make a joyful noise, shout joyfully to the Lord. <coughs> you will again written by David. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Fullness of joy. As we see that, the question can be asked, well, what's he talking about there in his presence? Have you guys experienced ever the presence of god i mean can you say that you have i mean just shake your head yes if that's the case (coughs) what an incredible experience that is i mean we can do that in it may be in prayer time it could be at a retreat it could be at a time of worship um it could be during a during the teaching you know um Anytime his Holy Spirit is present doing a work using someone uh, with a a spiritual gift to impart something to us or to share something with us to bless us in some way, we we can experience his presence. And and certainly it's a wonderful thing. I think that's nothing compared to the joy that we will experience. When we are fully in His presence, when we are out of these sinful bodies, these these bodies that are tainted by sin, even though God has has given us His life, still we have the the, the fleshly, selfish nature wi- within us, and and, and the, f- the the joy that we experience now is veiled by the reality of. This world and our bodies are gone before us with faith in Jesus Christ. They are experiencing the unveiled presence of God. And so the fullness, really the real fullness, the complete fullness is being experienced by them right now. Well, that gives me such joy in my heart to think that that's what's going on with my honey right now. She had such joy while here. What she knew here is nothing, in comparison. You know, John writes about um, having a fullness of joy. Um, in John 16:24, may be full. In John 15: uh, verse uh, 11, these things I've spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, that abiding in the love of Jesus, even as and Jesus says, I've ab- I, I am abiding in my Father's love even as I obey him. That's how we find this abiding in, the, in, in the, uh, the love of Christ is by obeying him. And in that abiding, we can experience a full joy, that your joy may be full. And then in 1 John chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, that which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. I think the Apostle John saw the importance of joy, having experienced it in the presence of Jesus as he walked with Him for a period of over three years. But he understood And the Holy Spirit um, moved him to write about this joy, that our joy may be full through abiding in his beloved with the Father and Jesus himself. But, you know, as I've thought about this a lot lately, I've thought, you know, and by the the way, um (coughs) with this thought that those who've gone before us with faith in Jesus, now in his presence, experiencing the fullness of joy, that means that there is absolutely no way that any more joy can be added to them than what they know right now, right? Because it's a fullness of joy. Um, I'm experiencing a special joy right now. Bottom line, as a result of what has taken place with, with my bride, because experienced uh, the, I, I think, a powerful move of the Lord there at, this, at the at the service. It wasn't just a memorial service. It was a ministry that was taking place. It truly really was. You know, and um, Josiah, Hannah, and Selah, along with Jaron, and um, the teaching that day was out of Acts 20, verses 22 to 24, very powerful. One of the uh, uh, warnings moved him, you know, and, 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 and he did not consider his own life as dear to himself. He wanted to finish his ministry uh, that, that God had given to him and so forth. And Saturday, talking about the Grammy. I mean, that's one of the things that she said when she found out about this disease that she had. I want to finish well. Um, basically, uh, proclaim that they have a, a new interest in reading God's Word. After uh, that, that I took off, I actually, I went to Arizona and spent a few days with them to get in the Word with them. I did like five Bible studies with Josiah. One of those was on Thursday night at, at the house there that week, and and I had my Bible open to the book of John. Tracy and Ian, you know, my daughter Tracy and her husband Ian, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're solid. They're in church and all that, you guys know. But they had their Bibles open. So did Josiah and Hannah and Selah and Jaron. Seven of us are around the table with our Bibles open. Guys, that hasn't happened in decades. Decades. Such a blessing. And, and, and just the idea of—do w- you think Mom knows about this? You know, but it's like, I mean it's like she would be, you know, doing cartwheels up there if she if she knew this this was going on, right? But at the same time, it's like we can't add any joy to her right now. If she received that news, of course, I mean, it's incredible, joyful to me, incredibly joyful to me, and it wouldn't wouldn't not. It's not like it wouldn't be joyful to her, but she doesn't need to see this. She doesn't need to know that because she's in the presence of Jesus where her joy that she's experiencing is as complete and full as it can possibly get already. Right? I, I, I think looking at those things, I mean, these are things that I think for us to kind of think, okay, okay. You know, I, I certainly am much more Aware of heaven than I was five years ago. Not that I was unaware, of course, but much more aware today. It's just uh, incredible to, to think of that joy that she and others must be experiencing right now. Well, let's look at verses 7 to 9. Now we see David moving to all the earth. Nature itself. uh, And and all uh, all those who are in the earth bringing this praise. Verse 7. Let the sea roar and all its fullness. That means everything that's in it. The world and those who dwell in it everyone on the face of the earth. Let the rivers clap their hands. Sounds like a Disney movie, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, th- those, those kinds of things can take place uh, in movies like that. Uh, let the hills be alive with the sound of music. No, no, that's not what it says. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Let the hills be joyful together before Yahweh. Amen. The Sound of Music was a good movie. I remember seeing it, going to the, going to the theater to see it back in 1965. I remember that because I was 13 years old. And, um, and you guys remember what you thought of things like that when you were like 13, right? Anyway, <coughs> great movie, but nothing compared to what this is. Let the hills be joyful together before the Lord. For he is coming to judge the earth with righteousness. He shall judge the world and the peoples with equity. Just basically speaking of the truth that all of nature, all of place, of bringing praise and honor to Jesus, and as we see in verse nine, the reason for it is because He's coming with a righteous judgment, and He's going. To that's the idea that we see there. Now, moving on to Psalm nine together, we'll just read the first three, and we'll, we'll get through this psalm in just a few minutes. Psalm ninety-nine: The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He dwells between the cherubim. Let the earth be moved. The Lord is great in Zion, and He is high above all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. The Lord reigns, uh, um, referring to the Reign of Jesus in his millennial reign. But when we do see verse 2 and 3, the second line of verse 2 and he is high above.